How did you guys find your advisors? One of our first advisors, we just, I met on the street at Brown. <laughs> what? Um, what just do you mean? Just like literally, it was <laughs> just a random, honestly, a random conversation. Hey, how are you? Yeah, how are you? How are things going? Things are going pretty well. So are you home right now? No, I'm in Providence, actually. Oh, you are? Okay. Yep. Yeah, we're staying here. We have an office set up here as well. Oh, got you. So is the whole team of It Just Care staying there? Yeah, our whole team. We also have a group of 10, 12 maybe interns that are staying here. Um, yeah. They've been working for two weeks now. Most of them are Brown students. A couple aren't Brown. Damn. So you guys have interns now, too? Yeah. Yeah, we have a full team of interns, which is pretty exciting. That's crazy. Are they doing like software engineering stuff mostly? Yeah, we have four software dev interns, a couple clinical interns, and then a few on the biz dev side, like communications, marketing. Got you. Wow, that's pretty crazy. So just to give a little background, so you study, is it public health? Yeah, public health. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then are you pre-med too? I'd say I'm pre-med, but I'm kind <laughs> of off that track right now a little bit, but we'll see. Okay, okay. why? Um, just because of interest care? Yeah, and you know how it is. It's stressful. Yeah. We'll we'll see where I actually end up, but That's valid. Okay. And then where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, got you. So, can you explain first of all like what Intuscare is? Intuscare is a digital health startup focused on long-term care organizations taking care of elderly and disabled patients, and what we do is identify who the most at-risk patients are for hospitalization why they're at risk, and what an organization can do to prevent them from being hospitalized. Wow. I feel like you have rehearsed that many times. <laughs> Said it so many times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very refined. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's interesting. How did you become interested in elderly care? It started out when I was pretty young. My mother was a geriatric social worker, so she'd go on home visits to see her elderly patients, and I'd tag along every once in a while when yeah. I didn't have practice or whatever. Mm -hmm. And as I, I got older, she started working at a geriatric healthcare facility, um, a PACE program, a uh, program of all-inclusive care for the elderly. She worked her way up there and now she's the executive director. So yeah. um, as I got into high school, I got to see more of the kind of back-end administrative side of that. I started a volunteer program at her organization, bringing high schoolers in to meet the elderly patients. And I got to college and realized, yeah, this is really what I want to focus on, dedicate my life to improving health outcomes for the elderly. Wow. Okay. So that's also really interesting because I feel like a lot of middle school or high school boys who would have to go along with their mom to like elderly care patient homes would just not be happy about it. But for <laughs> some reason you like took a liking to it. So what was it about visiting those homes and the patients that interested you? The most, I think, interesting piece for me is the people. So uh -huh. They're 70, 80, 90 years old with just years of stories. You hear the craziest things about times they went to jail or on the run. So just wild things, war stories. They love to talk about their children, their grandchildren especially. And I have a friend who, who kind of framed it this way where it's, they're not that different from us. Mm -hmm. Like let's say you're in a, a nursing home, for instance. You go to the, the activity center, you hang out all day, then you play bingo get your care and go back to your room at the end of the day. 
uh, for us, we leave our dorms, go to class, hang out with our friends, party, whatever. And we come back to our rooms and we're just kind of alone. Um, but for the, for us, we, we can get on our phones, stay connected with our friends. For them, they really have no other connection outside of that because they're not really as technologically savvy or, or mm-hmm. connected on social media and such. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of funny the way that you put it. We do kind of do the similar things. Just like, mm-hmm. like it's the same skeleton of the day. But- yeah. So then when you were interested in elderly care and you came to college and you're like, okay, this is what I want to do with my career, where did you go from there? Like, was there something that you wanted to improve upon from past experiences, like with the volunteering or visiting with your mom? Like, was there something like a problem that you wanted to address or was it just kind of a general interest? It started off as just a general interest. Like, let me learn as much as I can take some public health classes, learn about how care delivery worked. Then it turned into, okay, let me see these problems firsthand. So I I started being nosy, um, looking through my mom's board of directors, like meetings, like they're looking through her books. And I saw some things that were just massively inefficient. And it turned out from further research that those things were pretty typical across the space. So I set out to figure out innovative ways to solve those problems. Got you. Okay. So what were some of the the massive inefficiencies that you saw? The biggest one is communication. Uh-huh. So you have a single patient who sees four or five different care providers, has a social worker, a person coming to their home uh, to, to check up on them. And none of them really have a full clear picture of that person, um, that individual. Okay. Notes from a doctor's appointment are just stored in free text. Now when a home care provider is going to a patient's home, they don't know that this person has an infection or or something along those lines. And no one really has the clearest picture of this individual. Mm -hmm. Additionally, there really isn't a big focus on social determinants. Let's say a, a person's family and, and their home environment isn't suitable for good health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have proper nutrition. It's not cleanly. That's something that should be addressed on the institutional level, like their care providers, even like insurance payers, like mm-hmm. better outcomes come from just better living. So yeah. like your environment determines so much of your health. And that's something that's just neglected in old uh, elderly people. And a lot of that's due to like the lack of opportunity for them to really advocate for themselves and their health. So then how did you, how did you address that like lack of opportunity? Intus care specifically mitigates some of those risks and problems by one consolidating information where it's stored uh, as well as if someone has an observation of a specific thing, the patient, we have a, a, a timeline of all the different things um, mm. that are occurring for patients within an organization. Mm-hmm. And past that, we also tell a story through the data. So it's really no one's job to go through a patient's electronic health records, um, look at every single micro level change, look at demographic information, look at social determinant data, but using the data and, and providing insights to organizations using, let's say, machine learning or, or just statistical methods, we can provide those insights to organizations so they know when there's a critical or even just a small change in the patient. Like, let's say they're at risk for dehydration. We can tell them that this risk is occurring. We can notify the organization so that they can act upon it. Is it an app? It's a web app. 
um, that connects directly to a care organization's health records. Oh, okay. So basically you have this web app that has all of the patient's data, like health data, and then when a care provider comes in to like take care of the elderly person, then they can like take notes or something, or if they observe something or like a change in medicine or something like that, then they put that in to like the patient's records on through the web app. Yeah, they can they can notify the organization of relevant things that are changing for the patient. Got you. And then where does the machine learning come to this again? So we utilize machine learning to help us see oh, how can we refine our model of, of suggesting care and suggesting notifications, different changes? Hmm. That's really interesting. The only reason why I'm curious is because I study CS economics, so I was just interested. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. that's more on our data science team. So uh-huh. they probably have a, a better explanation than I would. <laughs> Got you. And then going off of that, who's part of the team? Yeah, so I, I came up with the original idea, then I brought on my friend Evan Jackson to work on a lot of the business development side because I didn't really have experience with that. We looked around for someone to, to kind of help on the healthcare side. So we found someone who studied both public health and economics. So then we got Sam Prado. Uh-huh. And lastly, we it took us a while to find someone to build the product long term. And mm-hmm. we found that person last fall. And that's Alex Rothberg, a, a CS student. Oh, wait, I know him. Yeah, we. I think we interned at the same internship last summer. Uh, oh, was it Upserve? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, funny. cool. Yeah, he's super cool. He's very smart. Yeah, yeah, no, no, so smart. <laughs> How did you approach, for example, like Evan or Sam? Like, hey, I have this idea. Want to join? The hardest sell was Evan to start mm-hmm. off with. Okay. Uh, because he had really no, he was a, a finance person. He really had no interest in healthcare, especially uh, elderly healthcare. Yeah. So he was more interested about like the football game he was playing on Saturday <laughs> or whatever. It had to be persuasive, but he ended up buying into it when he realized that, oh, these are like issues that his mother will face or his grandparents. It's so much more immediate than any of us can ever imagine. Like most people will end up having to take care of a loved one in their lifetime. So senior care is just something that everyone should hold somewhat near and dear to their heart. We all grow old. Then I ended up working with Sam on a group project in a data analysis class and thought he was the perfect fit. Just Um, like what he studied or what was it? It was just, he he thinks a lot different. If you know Sam, he thinks a lot differently than most people. He's very creative. Things outside of the box. Now he leads our clinical research team. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean that he has to lead the clinical research team? Like what is Yeah. It? So so right now, over the past weeks, they've been going through the electronic health records. Uh, at one point, they were parsing through like 8,000 Excel cells a day. So it was pretty tedious. But now they're getting into kind of the more enjoyable stuff where they're looking at specific patients and creating personas and finding insights on them. So it's, it's really almost like a storytelling thing. So looking at each of their hospitalizations, you can see why they went to the hospital, who called them to the hospital. Like for instance, literally in the notes, like the caregiver, which is their son or daughter, just can't handle them anymore. And they keep falling and all these other pretty critical issues. So they just call the ambulance and the ambulance takes them to the hospital. They stay there for a couple of days and they send them to a, a nursing facility. And those are all things we're just looking at data. It's not, it's not written out 
in notes or anything. It's just like the story we have to figure out on our own. And that helps inform our, our data science and our developers to like improve our models. So a lot of the times it's just like their caregiver, like their son or their daughter is too overwhelmed because there's too many like issues or something. So then they just call up the hospital and then they take him away. Well, that was, that's kind of a one-off instance, but like no. the majority of them are just like, a, it's a compounding factor. They have so many different comorbidities and mm -hmm. just declining health so quickly that they have four different chronic illnesses that just cause them to be hospitalized. Wow. Okay. And then what is the meaning behind reducing hospitalizations? Like, why is that important? It's important because Medicare is reported between 40 and 60% of long-term care hospitalizations uh, in one report are, are potentially preventable. And that's due to like a couple very common causes and comorbidities within elderly people. Like for instance, one of the biggest ones is bacterial pneumonia. Dehydration is a huge one, but like there's, there's hospitalizations related to those things that can be prevented just by timely and best practice interventions. Basically better care beforehand. Yeah, better care earlier because all the warning signs are there. You just have to provide the care. Got you. So is there a thing in your web app where it's like, okay, these things are happening about the patient, like there's some observation, it releases like some kind of alert or something or like a warning, something has to be done? We're building out the dashboard right now that notifies when there's a specific change that you should be alerted of. So you guys are busy. We're very busy, yes. <laughs> okay, so what are you guys working on right now? Like, what are the challenges as of now? Challenges as of now. I'll just go team by team. Sure. Uh, clinical team, not too many roadblocks thus far. Mm -hmm. They're going to start working on compiling and building out interventions. So we want to help standardize the quality of care. So we're looking at what are the best-in-class organizations doing? What are the geriatric care experts doing? compiling all their protocols, all their standards of care, putting them into one model. So when we do notice something, not only are we telling you that something's wrong, we're additionally suggesting to you what can be done to fix it. On our development team, the next two week sprint is building out the dashboard. For the data science team, that's probably the, the one that's most restricted at the moment because we are always in search of more data. Are you getting the data from your current patient or current users? Yeah, so we have, we have data from our current pilots, but we also want to get a big data set where we can start to run analytics on thousands, millions of patients. Yeah, that's hard. Where would you get that? You can purchase them. Uh, um, Brown has access to a lot of data sets, surprisingly. Yeah. So it's just, how can we go through the right channels to get access to those? Interesting, okay. We spent the last semester just user testing and doing more research mm -hmm. uh, as well as fundraising. But yeah, right now, like we're just deep into this one pilot and we want to provide some really strong ROIs before we start selling. Mm, got you. Okay. So are you connected to any care providers as of now yet? Or is that like later on? Yeah, we are. Oh, mm -hmm. you are. okay. So like which organization? I actually cannot say right now. Oh, it's like disclosure yeah. information. Yeah. Until it's wow. like publicly available, but it's a Rhode Island wide organization. Okay, okay. Yeah. Top secret information. <laughs> yeah, I, you could say that. Okay. So this is like your main thing, right, that you do at Brown? Or yes. Is there, is there uh, other things going on? 
up until last semester, I was president of class coordinating board for class of 2021. Oh, gotcha. Um, CCB. I, yeah, CCB. Okay. I played played football my freshman and sophomore year, but now I'm actually, I'm not going to be enrolled in Brown next oh, what? year. So yeah, gap year. Oh, you're taking time off for yep. year? Mm-hmm. That's legit. For how long do you think? TBD, but okay. Okay. yeah, we'll see. That's exciting. Wow. When did you decide that? We, a lot of the decision was around like, okay, are we going to raise funds? Are we not going to raise funds? And if we're raising funds, we have to go all in. So we, when we raised our funding, it was like, okay, we're not coming back to school. Wow. Wait, so is the whole team taking a year off? Yeah, the whole team is. Oh my God. That's so cool. So how did you guys get funding? Evan and Sam spent a lot of time in Michigan doing our user testing. Mm-hmm. And I spent some time in Michigan, Boston, and then SF mm-hmm. doing fundraising. Mm-hmm. And we found a VC that really liked us. And we liked them because they were mission-driven. We pitched them and ended up getting funding from them. Oh, wow. Which was great. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank How you. Have you had pitch experience before? Yeah, no, and I had had... We had had quite a bit of pitching experience in the past. Like we had been in Brown Venture Prize last year. We had one mass challenge prior to getting funding. So we actually, aside from that funding, we'd already raised like $100,000 just from competitions and such. That's crazy. Yeah. How is the experience pitching to the VC? VC pitches are a bit intense. It's less kind of performative than like a demo day. Probably the most nerve wracking part is the questions because they'll find one specific thing that they want to focus on because you don't know what their I mean you might have an idea of what their experience is but you really don't know and if they find something they really want to to kind of dig deep into Mm -hmm. you have to be ready to do so wow so they'll they'll just like pick something and drill down on it depending on what their focus is on yeah yeah 100 percent. what do you have to prepare or like what even is a pitch like what consists of a pitch it's just uh you have a pitch deck you have your company overview problem you're solving your solution mm-hmm. like what's your value proposition you go over your product a bit then your business model it's different than a sales pitch because a sales pitch is like this is our product and here's how it helps you and here's why you should care for a vc it's like this is our product this is our team and this is how we plan to make you money mm. which is which which was kind of weird for me because it's like the balance, like my mission is to improve outcomes for patients, improve care delivery for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Not, not necessarily just that kind of money driver, right, yeah. but to get funding, to run your company, you have to think that way. That's true. It's all a business, I guess. Yeah. How, how do you guys make money? Yeah. So we charge organizations uh, per patient per month month on the system okay and then have you already decided on like pricing and things like that we're still running through pricing a lot of that will be determined at the end of this pilot like we have an idea of where it'll land based on like our costs and such but a lot of it's kind of performance based like how well can we do with this pilot how much money can we save then we can justify our price range what are like the main costs for you guys main cost is honestly just labor like yeah. you software developers are just so expensive. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, I, I, now that 
we kind of went past the topic, but my funniest pitch story, it was to a VC in SF who like they made fun of me and Alex for wearing suits. <laughs> for wearing suits? Because <laughs> they, they were like, because we were, we had our team side and we like had brown, all of them were just in like t-shirts and <laughs> they were kind of younger, but they're like, yeah, you know, they're whatever brown Ivy League because they're wearing suits like East Coast. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of true though. It, it really is, honestly. <laughs> That's funny. On the flip side, was there a pitch that just really did not go well? Yeah, oh, for sure. Let me think. We've had a couple pitches like that. Um, <laughs> most of the time, it's just because of like lack of sleep. A bad pitch that we had was actually Alex and I again. Um, <laughs> you guys. Yeah, it was, it, was us. it was again in SF. We had stayed up all night because we had, we, we were honestly like jet lagged sleep deprived and we just like on a whim thought thought we came up with the greatest idea and way to restructure our pitch oh no we we made a completely new deck in a night are you serious yeah it was it was we got like kind of squirrely because we had gotten some like kind of weird feedback from a pitch the day before and we were like okay like he like the the vc might be right uh, so we were like, okay, let's switch this uh, this stuff up. I don't know what we were thinking, but we we stayed up like too late, went to this pitch. Our presence was all off and we start pitching and midway through the pitch, the, the guy stops us and he's like, uh, what happened to your, like, I saw your old deck. I liked it so much better and completely makes us restart. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. It makes us restart with a new pitch deck. Oh shit. Oh my um, god. That would yeah. have been so frazzled. Yeah, no, it definitely was not fun at all. <laughs> what did you change? It was kind of when we were like mid-pivot and we we made our pitch more data focused than we really were ready for. It didn't really have all of the pieces put together as well as we do now. Got you. Okay. Well, it's past. It's over. Oh yeah. Learning experience. Exactly. There you go. So you like do a lot. So you did football and then you were class president and then now with Intus Care. So like backtracking, were you always into like entrepreneurship or did this just kind of come from the idea of Intus Care that you then became more interested in it? I was really never into entrepreneurship. Really? Yeah, I never saw myself being like a business person. Why not? It just it was never something that came across my mind, uh. honestly. Didn't really know what I wanted to do for a while. Did not expect it to be this. <laughs> what is yeah. the most unexpected thing? Oh, the most unexpected thing? Yeah. Um. Wow. I never thought I would be taking a break from school. When I got to school, I thought I was just going to go take classes, play football, go to med school. Uh-huh. And that's pretty much been derailed. Like, just whole trajectory changed. That's kind of awesome, though. Yeah, and now it's just, like just life is kind of my co-founders and I talk about all the time. Life is kind of weird. Like we hang out, all we talk about is what can we do next. Like what's work? What's work? Uh-huh. And like our other friends are like, can you like just shut up, please? Like, <laughs> like stop <laughs> talking about elderly people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I bet you guys are so busy though. Like just kind of do whatever you think is right and then you just like assign like self-assign stuff a big thing is it's chaos if we don't plan like weeks in ahead got you okay just like future goals for yourself do you think that you basically just want to take this as far as it'll go and that's like your main focus now yeah i'm really all in on this and so are my co-founders so i'm 
ready to ride it out. I really have no regrets having that kind of mindset because I'm honestly learning so much more than I could have ever imagined. Meeting so many interesting, cool people, mm-hmm. industry people, people in like adjacent industries, um, people that I like, if aside from this, probably would have had no opportunity to ever interact with. And it's just like been very, very enriching and exciting. And I get to wake up every day, solve problems, challenges, and do what I really enjoy doing, working in the industry that I want to work in. Yeah, I mean, the way you put that, it sounds like you live in the dream. Um, Hopefully, who are, yeah. Who's one of those people that you think you never would have met before, but like, like an industry leader or something that you really cherished like meeting? Probably the most recent example was one of our advisors had me and Alex on Zoom with the Fitbit founder today. Oh, um, shit, what? Yeah, so that was cool. He was giving us some good advice about how we should go about preparing for like our report to our our pilot partner. That's crazy. How did that even happen? Like, how did the connection happen? Just one of our advisors, um, he's a researcher at at MIT, is like good friends with his family. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So cool. How did you guys find your advisors? One of our first advisors, we just, I met on the street at Brown. (laughs) What? Um, just, just like literally was (laughs) just a random, honestly, a random conversation. That was like our, our initial advisor, Um, but we've pivoted. So it's not quite as she's still like a good friend of ours, but she, she doesn't quite advise us as much anymore. But now we got some strong advisors from uh, Brown, like the breakthrough lab program that we did last summer. Okay. So they connected us with some pretty cool alums that are working in our space or adjacently. We got some from Mass Challenge, which is the big startup accelerator that we participated in. So we got some really good advisors from that. And also just from kind of personal connections and also various like investment vessels. Got you. Wow. Okay, wait, hold on. What do you do? What did you mean by like just randomly on the street? Yeah, it's 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 a pretty <laughs> Pretty long story, but long story short, it was after a football practice Uh and I was like walking from the field to the locker room and some, some kids were goofing off (laughs) and like some lady made a joke to me like about how like, I think rude the kids were just like basically scolding the kids to me. Okay. And then I like made a joke to her and we started talking and she ended up being like a program director at Lifespan, the hospital. Oh my God. And it was just like the exact space we were working in. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. That's so that, No, no, it was perfect. And she ended up giving us like that kind of boost we needed to, to actually take this seriously. Damn. And it was like a sign. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have the my last two questions. One of them is one that I always ask at the end of the conversation. So who are two people that you admire from Brown who are also building something of their own and who you think would be good on the show? Yeah. So I definitely speak to Victor Lolo and BJ Obani, two friends of mine. They are um, building a a new social media platform. A lot of it's still under wraps right now, but they're raising a lot of money and it's going to be huge when they launch. Hmm. Um, I'm on their their beta right now and it's probably like actually world changing. Really? Yeah. I really can't say much about it. Signed an NDA for that, but it's 
pretty pretty cool um and if they want to come on here and share it i think people would be really interested to hear that's so cool are they have they graduated um victor just graduated bj is a rising senior and then another person that would be good to talk to is um isaiah powell and nick novelli they're running nuvlon which is like the clothing brand uh, with Jonas Cohen. Okay, yeah, thank you. I'll definitely look into those people. They sound, I feel like there's so many people at Brown doing such cool things. Yeah, no, there really are. And then my last question is, the podcast name is called Show and Tell. Basically, I'm going to ask you, tell me something interesting that you recently learned or discovered, and it can be just really about anything. Like, it's wide open. Oh, goodness. (laughs) <laughs> something interesting. like it could be like super random like i don't i don't really i'm not opposed <laughs> wait um give me a second let me think okay. of something <laughs> like harder than any vc pitch. this is so wild oh wait there's something oh okay no 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 that's not a good one mm-hmm. uh, oh okay i found out one of our interns that i will not name okay. is allergic to cashews or allergic to all nuts um, because she got a sandwich from a restaurant in Providence that will also remain unnamed and it had cashews in it and she had a wild allergic reaction oh my god what happened she just like started freaking out she thought the sandwich was amazing by the way Um, (laughs) I won't name the restaurant but it would be great PR for them right now oh my god Um, she had the sandwich, it had cashews in it, and she was like, she felt her like, she started freaking out. But she kept kind of eating the sandwich. Um, <laughs> it was too good. It was too good, yeah. It was worth it. And then she she just like, someone drove her home and got her like her medication. That's but, crazy. I mean, yeah. Did not know that she was allergic to, to nuts before this? No, she knew. She just didn't know that that sandwich had cashews in it. Oh, Oh my god. But she loves cashews now. Like she she really enjoyed the sandwich. What? <laughs> Just like the allergy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, wild. Alrighty. Wild. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robbie, for, for chatting with me. This is really interesting what you guys are doing. And I'm excited to see how Intus Care progresses and how the first pilot goes. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Have a good rest of the week. You too, yeah. Alrighty. Bye, Anya. Bye.